Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back into the podcast, and thank you very much for being here. And uh, we've got a ton of different news to cover from uh, the debt ceiling deal, from unemployment, to some partnership deals that have been announced, uh, and really what the market's doing, how we're taking it all in stride. And uh, I just wanted to kind of you know ease our way into what's going on out there. And uh, yeah, Friday was a definite up day for uh, the major indices, the Dow, the NASDAQ, and uh, the S&P. So we definitely had some uh, some green out there, at least in my accounts. I don't know how you guys were doing. So I saw on our uh, our investing challenge account, we were moving up nicely. I think it was about uh, right over 1%. So I think we're somewhere in the minus 2% range overall. And the, uh, the NASDAQ has actually closed its sixth week straight of green. So that is... Uh, the most that we've had consecutively since January of 2020. So it's definitely nice to see that we are getting some positivity back out there in the market. A lot of those large cap tech names are really outperforming. And uh, that's what we're even seeing in the Dow. Some of the Dow names that are really winning right now, uh, Salesforce, Apple, Microsoft, uh, I think even Cisco is still in the green. So things that are related to tech, uh, those are definitely the ones that are uh, really doing a better job right now. Oh, I'm looking at our uh, our Webull portfolio. We're only down half a percent at this point. So we are moving up nicely. We're getting really close to being back in the green. And uh, yeah, that's why I wanted to buy all throughout the year. Uh, last year, even though some things and sometimes it didn't seem like uh, the market was really cooperating with us, but we were able to tuck away money for those green days ahead. And I, I said that a lot of times, it might not be working right now, but we're building a portfolio. We're looking for that long-term gains. And uh, I think here shortly, we will be back into the green. Now, uh, with that being said, there's there's a lot of talk out with uh, the debt ceiling deal, with um, the unemployment report, the jobs report saying that, uh, yeah, we might get a, a bump, but then we're going to retest some of these lows. And that might be true, right? I, I can't say that it's not going to happen. It's definitely something that uh, is in the cards. It happens a lot of times. There's a lot of euphoria in the market. People run to, uh, you know, the stocks that are really trending, the things that are working. And um, you know, sometimes we do get a pullback, and that that's fine. I'm I'm fine with that. That's normal market reaction. I don't want to see this thing just run up for no reason, and then we get blindsided by the next problem. So, having a little bit of pause. Uh, letting things kind of cool back down, get some uh, stability back in the market is a, a fine thing. I know it doesn't seem like it, but uh, it's definitely something that is needed. So we don't get these runaway, uh, you know, green cycles. And then all of a sudden we're just getting hit with the, the red hammer that's out there. And that's when we start to really lose uh, in portfolio value. So, um, yeah, I think uh, overall for the day I was up... Uh, about 1.3%. So I will definitely take that. Uh, that is in my overall brokerage account. But um, yeah, what did the market do overall? I believe that the Dow was the big winner on the day, which uh, hasn't really been that way for, for too long. Uh, but it seems like with some of the things that are out there with the jobs report, oh yeah, by a, by a long shot, 
Dow closed up 701 points. That's 2.1%. NASDAQ was 1.07%. The S&P 500 up 1.45% on Friday. So now, yeah, like I was saying, a lot of things with the Dow, it seems like uh, we're adding a lot of these jobs. We uh, had the jobs report come out. We were expecting, what, 190,000 jobs, non-farm payroll to be added, and we got 339,000 jobs added. So a lot more than expected. People are rolling back into work. Uh, a lot of these industrial stocks were really doing well. And uh, I think that's part of the reason that uh, the Dow was really the outperformer on the day. And uh, one that I was really hoping to come on here and say, hey, I want to add this one. When I was watching this thing last week was Caterpillar. Uh, this one was sitting down in the um, low 200 range. And uh, what, 200? Let's take a look here. Two, I'm gonna call it 207, 207, 208, something like that. Uh, I think no, actually, we got we were down in the 205 range. Wow. And uh, yeah, just on Friday, we added 8.4 percent, seventeen dollars higher. So sitting at 226, just in a single day, based basically off this jobs report. Um, this PE is still sitting at 15. I still think it's one that could definitely be added. Uh, I personally think that this one is a, a long-term hold, uh, at least in my portfolio. Gives you a lot more uh, stability in a name like Caterpillar with industrials. Yes, they're very cyclical based on what's getting built out there, what's getting mined. But uh, overall, I think it is a stock that has uh, a lot of staying power compared to some of the ones that are going to be high flyers and then uh, you know get cut real quick when, uh, when the technology cycle slows down. Those are going to be the ones that are going to be more volatile. Uh, it's nice to have a balance, right? You want some industrials, maybe some oils, some some energy, utilities, healthcare, but then you also want some of those stocks that are going to give you those those massive returns. Caterpillar is not going to be that. Granted, on Friday, that's uh, probably one of the top performers, but uh, normally that's that's not normal for them. So uh, definitely nice to see, and uh, I'm going to really have to rethink here what I'm going to add for this week what five names I really want to take a closer look at when we are looking at the investing challenge and uh, really what names are out there. But um, yeah, I, I was looking at the the debt ceiling deal. I'm looking at uh, the New York Times article here. And uh, yeah, we've uh, temporarily suspended the debt limit. And uh, basically, we have about $31.4 borrowing limit until January 25. Uh, we are suspending the debt limit for a period of time different than uh, setting it at a new fixed level. So basically, it looks like Republicans didn't want to say, hey, we, you've got the green light to spend another $4 trillion. Um, so they didn't really want to put those words out there. So what they did is that they are just uh, they're suspending it to say, hey, we aren't limiting what we've got to do. But uh, at the same time, we're not telling you to spend more money. I think it's really a political tennis match that we're watching. And um, we'll ultimately see what happens. I, I think it's a, a presidential election bargaining chip that we didn't allow you to spend more money, but they went ahead and did it kind of thing. He, he said, she said type thing. So that's kind of what I'm seeing there. Uh, and then it says under the new legislation, debt limit will be set at whatever level is reached when the suspension ends. So um, basically in 2025, we will refigure this out. We're going to be back in the same situation, trying to figure out how much money we can spend, where we can cut. Uh, but some of the cuts that did happen, um, it 
cut uh, so-called non-defense discretionary, which includes domestic law enforcement, forest management, scientific research, and more for 24. It would limit all discretionary spending to 1% growth in 2025, which is effectively a budget cut because that projected uh, it, it's projected to be slower than the rate of inflation. Uh, what else we got? I think there's IRS cuts that were in here. Uh, after I think they were going to spend $80 billion on hiring, or I forget the actual number. I think they were hiring all these IRS agents and they're going to be cutting some of that back. Um, what else we got? Uh, spending on veterans healthcare, including newly approved measures to assist veterans exposed to toxic burn pits would also be funded at levels of Mr. Biden's proposed budget. Um, what else? We had Two years, yeah, two years of caps and then switches to a spending targets that are not bound by law. Essentially just suggestions. Uh, estimates that the uh, the agreement will yield $1 trillion in savings over the course of a decade from reduced discretionary spending. So a lot of things going on here. A lot of different cuts. But um, overall, we're, we kind of have, you know, more debt coming in. It definitely is scary for me. That is one that does not like to see this much debt on a balance sheet. If this were a company that I'd be willing to invest in, uh, you know, I wouldn't be looking to invest in this company. But uh, at the same time, the Treasury is just going to print more money and uh, it's going to kind of keep kicking the can down the road. I just don't know where this ends. Uh, I can't see that it's uh, the smartest thing to do, but that's just kind of how the government is working and uh, just make it someone else's problem down the road, pretty much. So, um, there are some cuts that I agree with. There are some spending things that I agree with. There's some uh, more work requirements for uh, food stamp recipients and people on uh, Medicaid, I believe it is. But um, so some different things there. And overall, uh, I think the market responded pretty decently to this news. One, that it was done. Two, that uh, you know we've, we've got the money to kind of keep uh, paying our bills and, and moving forward. Uh, so then when I'm looking over at this, the CME FedWatch tool for that meeting in January on the 14th, uh, we've got about 75% of people saying we're not getting a rate hike now. So that has actually increased. More people are saying that we're not getting a rate hike right now, as opposed to the last time I reported on this, and about 25% of people saying we are going up 25 basis points. So there's definitely a lot of uh, news and nuance out there as to what's going where. And uh, we actually are, are just trying to figure out really what is happening from here. So uh, the unemployment rate was uh, expected to be at three and a half percent. Somehow it came in at three point seven percent. And this is something that I really don't understand all the nuances here either. Uh, the unemployment rate went up, but we added 200,000 jobs more than what we had anticipated. You would think it would be the opposite way. If we doubled the amount of jobs that we were expecting, you would think unemployment would go down. But somehow it goes up. I don't know if that's the same people getting a second job, a third job, and they don't count as the unemployment rate. And they're just picking up some other work. I'm not too sure how that happens. But uh, overall, that is the numbers that were uh, being shown on uh, on this past Friday. So uh, with that, we've got, uh, let me see this one. I know someone just came into the S&P 500. I'm trying to, uh, I know I got a note here somewhere. Okay, yeah, Palo Alto Networks, P-A-N-W, was just brought into the S&P 500. So it's one of those top 500 stocks now in the S&P. So if you're buying an uh, index fund or an ETF, 
VOO, you are buying Palo Alto Networks, albeit a very small percentage of it goes to Palo Alto. And uh, Dish Network has been replaced. So that one is now out. Palo Alto is in. And uh, we will ultimately see where that one goes. I think that could be a, uh, a definite stock to look into right now. As uh, pretty much anytime anyone's buying that ETF, you're going to see the, the buy side come in for uh, Palo Alto, pushing that one a little bit higher. Uh, there's currently about 10% upside on Palo Alto and uh, currently trading at 217 and a average price target of 239. Uh, what else we got? We've got, um, I know we had some other stuff. Uh, CEO Mary Barra of General Motors saying that the next 10 years are giant growth opportunities for GM and autonomy. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty much everyone's thought process right now. And we've also got Uber making deals with um, let me see where that one was. I know they've got a, a deal to get uh, some robotics things going for Uber Eats deliveries. Uh, and I know that one is uh, is interesting. I, I think the landscape out there to what's going to be the world that we're living in in a few years is going to be completely different than what we are in now. Uh, it's definitely moving at a very fast pace. But um, yeah, what else we got? We've got... Uh, Tesla saying that uh, all new Model 3s are now going to qualify for this $7,500 tax credit. So that is ultimately going to help them moving forward to sell more Model 3s. I mentioned before that the Model Y was the number one selling vehicle in the world for Q2, I believe it was. And um, that, is a, that is a massive news story right there in itself. But uh, I definitely think that some of these automakers, the fact that uh, they've kind of traded down and now we're, we're trying to get people back to work, back to building new homes, back to doing everything. Uh, I think that some of these automakers are really going to benefit from that. So I'm definitely looking at some of those. And um, I, I did want to say that, uh, you know, if you're looking to get into something, right, if you're looking to start a portfolio, uh, I think sometimes we've just got to start, right? We've just got to take those steps. And uh, there's you can you can sit on the sidelines forever and wonder you know is, am I making the right decision am I doing the right thing, and um, I I think there's there's definitely a lot of people that are you know kind of failure to launch over the fact of not knowing what the absolute best move is, and I I think the point here is that you're never going to make the perfect move at least every time you know sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes, you know, you're going to buy and the stocks are going to drop, you know, and that's certainly something that happens and people get scared off. But uh, I, I think for most people, you just need to get started, right? You can listen in here. You can listen into uh, some other shows. You can listen into, uh, you know, the, the news and the outlets as to what's going on, what stocks are really in favor. And then you got to make your own educated guess as to where you want to be, what you really see the market doing going forward. And um, understand that things aren't always going to go up in a straight line. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be drops in the in the performance of the stock price. But uh, if you're in the right names and you've really got some research and uh, you're not simply just listening to what one person says or five people say, and you've really got some uh, vested interest into what's going on, just start. And, uh, you know, dollar cost average in, really protect yourself on that front. Don't just go all in on one name at any given time. Uh, like I said, if that uh, that stock starts to slip, you're really going to be left wondering what to do rather than, you know, if you buy in at uh, 
say you got $10,000 you want to invest in, you know, I'm saying don't put it all in at once. Maybe, you know, nibble in uh, maybe a quarter of your initial purchase and go 2,500 and then 2,500 in three months, another 2,500 in six months. And, you know, kind of ladder it out to where you're buying over the course of a year. Or if you see some opportunities in another name, leave a little bit of cash on the sidelines to go ahead and buy something else that you're looking at and, and simply try to protect yourself by doing that. Uh, you can also buy those ETFs like I was talking about. If you're looking at uh, some other ways to get some safety, get some diversity, and you don't really want to do all the homework, simply buying a market ETF is a great way to do that. You know, VOO is one that I talk about pretty uh, frequently. That's the S&P 500 ETF from Vanguard. And uh, you're going to get about 1.5% uh, dividend yield right now on that. Uh, and that's going to be paid out quarterly. The expense ratio is very low at 0.03%. And, uh, you know, you get a mixture of stocks by doing that. You don't have to put in all the homework. You can literally just put this thing on uh, repeat, auto purchase, weekly, monthly, however you want to do it, and put in a little bit of money at, uh, you know, regular intervals and go ahead and watch this one grow for you. So that's kind of my thought here. I just, I know a lot of people are really drag their feet to make sure they're making the exact right play. They don't know where to look. They don't know where to get started. And I think for most people, it's simply open an account. Uh, I do have links in the description to help you out. There are some offers there, but uh, even if you don't use that, right? Open an account, get your stuff together, try to figure out uh, a, a game plan, maybe 10 names, maybe 20 names and start buying a little bit. That uh, names that you're really confident in. Uh, I try to mix things up, but I know a lot of people, if they're in, uh, you know, say healthcare, they buy a lot of healthcare names because that's what they know. That's what they're comfortable in. Now, is that my first uh, choice? No, I, I'd like to be more diversified. But if there's a thing that you're really comfortable in, uh, certainly look at that. And then if there's things that you're not so comfortable in, uh, for instance, with uh, for me, that would be some of these small startup companies. Uh, so I do use a uh, a growth ETF when I'm looking to buy some of these names. I'll look at the ARK Invest funds. Uh, I'll look at some of the Russell 2000 funds, the really small cap names. I don't really know those names, right? And I don't have the time or the desire to know every name that's out there because simply it's just too much information for me. So if I can pay someone else uh, like ARK, their expense fees are a little bit higher. Like I said, with VOO, it's very low. It's 0.03%. When I look over at ARKK, -A -R -K -K, I believe the expense ratio is in the four tenths of, oh no, it's more. It's 0.75%. Uh, so that is, a, that is a piece of money right there that's going to get swept out of your account automatically. You're not going to see it. You're not going to probably notice it. But uh, that money will get pulled out, I believe, quarterly on ARC. And uh, it's just automatically going to be swept out of your account. You will be left with a little bit less money, but hopefully they start doing their job uh, better than what we can, right? And uh, I know the people who have been in ARC for a while, it's been a rocky road. These stocks did super well through uh, COVID, through the end of 2020, and then uh, beginning in 21, they started to have that fall. And it's been painful. Uh, so if we bought at that peak, simply at that peak, it's certainly been hard. But if you would have laddered this out, you know, every three months and you bought July of 2020, then September, 
you know, December and then, you know, March and you kind of keep going. Yes, you buy at the peak, but then you're also buying at the lows and you're really letting a company like ARC that has investment managers go ahead and manage that money for you. Now, I'm not saying you got to buy ARC. I, I know a lot of people have a lot of mixed uh, opinions about this one. They think that, you know, it was a one hit wonder and it might be, you know, Kathy Wood might not have all the information that uh, everyone, you know, wants to, you know, jump in this fund anymore. There is some money leaving out of the fund. But uh, at the same time, I know personally that uh, for the a little bit of a percentage of my portfolio that goes into ARC, I think that they know these small names better than I do. And uh, I really think that that's a, a good alternative to simply just throwing darts at a dartboard with these small names on it and trying to pick things or trying to read through all these different company reports. And uh, I really feel that they have a better handle on that than I can. So I, I do have a small bit into the growth stocks through uh, companies like ARC. Um, and then just as a, I guess, what is in ARC, right? 63% uh, of their holdings, are the top 10, uh, you've got Tesla, Roku, Zoom Video, Coinbase, Block, which was Square, uh, Exact Sciences, UiPath, Shopify, DraftKings, Teladoc. So, I mean, these names, most of them I know, most of them I'm familiar with, but then you get to the bottom of this list where the other, you know, 30 some percent of this portfolio is made up from, and I really don't know them. Uh, the, the bio, uh, pharma names. I don't really know those names. I don't know what they do. I, I'm not up to date on all the trials. So it definitely makes sense to let them do some of that legwork for you and simply kind of sit back and watch the performance of these different names. So, uh, that's kind of my thoughts, but yeah, you got to take that step. You got to get started. You got to look at what opportunities are out there. And, uh, you know, if you're buying all technology right now, that could be a mistake, right? So that's my thing. I, I want to diversify. I want to find some value out there because simply buying uh, all these AI names as AI is running through the roof, uh, you could get left holding the bag and uh, everyone starts selling and you're left with, uh, you know, red losses on paper anyhow. So uh, just really try to diversify, try to pick names that... Uh, have some upside, have some safety. Uh, you can get some growth, you can get some value and really just start. So that's uh, hopefully what I can be here to maybe help you with, point you in the right direction as to some things to look at, where to look, how to do some research. And uh, with that being said, I'm gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about the investing challenge that we are doing to dollar cost our average or dollar cost average our way into the market from uh, the start of 22 and beyond. We're going to see what names we're, we're really really paying attention to and uh, see what's out there, see what uh, potentially is on that buy list for this week. So stick around. I'll be right back. All right, guys, back to the podcast. Now, uh, for week 23, I was looking at five different names for our investing challenge. And uh, those five were uh, Ford, uh, Ford Motors ticker was F on semiconductors. The ticker was ON. Number three was Lowe's Home Improvement. Uh, the ticker was LOW. And uh, number four was going to be Visa. Uh, Visa, uh, the credit card company, definitely thought that they were going to be in a good spot right now as well. And number five was going to be Qualcomm, uh, another semiconductor company. Now, 
these names, I definitely think uh, they were in a, a good spot. Uh, some of them weren't rallying with the the broader market. Uh, a, com- a couple of them have actually shot up this week with uh, some of the other tech names. And, um, you know, with the NASDAQ rolling up higher, you definitely see Visa, Qualcomm on moving higher with those as well. Uh, Ford, uh, you know, nice starting dividend right now and uh, definite uh, growth with uh, that Tesla deal to get about access to about 12,000 different Tesla charging stations uh, for 2024. Uh, Visa, definitely with uh, people back to work and people still spending more. Uh, in general, swiping those credit cards, uh, those fees, and that that margin is definitely a a strong business to get into. Now, I had said last time I was looking to get this uh, this poll extended. Uh, unfortunately, I was not able to do that. I did book that uh, uh, that poll. I did that one on my phone, and I believe it is a shorter time window automatically when you do that. Uh, so, unfortunately, I was not able to do it. So the the results were low. Uh, as far as how many people were actually able to vote. But uh, we did go ahead and vote on Visa, uh, ticker V. So I will be adding Visa uh, on Monday around lunchtime. That's when I like to do that weekly buy. I let some of that volatility from the early morning hours on uh, on Monday kind of wash out and uh, then go ahead and buy midday. That's just kind of what I've got. Uh, some people like to buy right early in the morning. Some people like to wait until midweek. I kind of do what works for you and kind of stick with it, you know, so that's what I've got. Sometimes maybe just setting a reminder in your phone could help you with that as well. Hey, it's time to buy stocks uh, and just set it and kind of forget it sometimes if you got an uh, index fund ETF and go about it that way. But um, yeah, so now for uh, week 24, uh, this one was definitely hard. I was trying to look at a, a couple things in the Dow that ultimately rallied past the point where I Really don't feel comfortable saying, hey, this is a, a solid buy. Uh, I mean, they're still solid companies, but I, I kind of think some of that uh, that market shakeup has brought them up a little too rapidly for my liking. So I'm going to let them cool off for a little while, see what happens. Uh, maybe after the 14th with uh, this uh, the next uh, Fed meeting, see if we do get another raise or ultimately if it just gets pushed out a little bit further. If we do get a pause, uh, ultimately, we'll see if we repeat a Volcker moment. Or if we uh, kind of get the the you know that rate higher for longer, keep it there, let it do its job, pause, and then kind of taper off. Uh, so we'll see ultimately what that is going to bring. But uh, like I said, I, I'm trying to stay away from some of those names that rallied a little too hard. Uh, some of these probably did rally this week as well. It's kind of hard to find stocks that really have not. Uh, so that brings me to uh, week 24. And I do have one, two, three, four, five names here, and uh, I'm going to try to keep them in order. Uh, I will write them on my sheet here for the stocks for week 24, and uh, we will cover them that way. So first up is going to be Rio Tinto. The ticker is R-I-O. Now, uh, if you are not familiar, they are uh, a company out of the U.K., that is going to do a lot with mining and commodity items, uh, steel, copper, um, aluminum. They do some uh, lithium exploration. They do a lot of different mining, right? So uh, I'm thinking as we're getting this building cycle kind of coming back in, uh, I'm thinking we might have more need for iron, for steel, for copper. Uh, We've definitely got a more need for lithium, the way everyone's trying to electrify all the vehicles. 
Uh, and uh, I definitely think that that could be one that uh, has some upside here. Now, um, when I was looking at this one, I saw a, a fair amount of upside. I, I like the the mix right now for what they provide and uh, what is really going on out in the market. It is a very cyclical company as uh, you know, the building cycle really kind of dictates what their stock looks like. So uh, it might not be one that you buy and hold forever. It could be a buy and wait for the cycle to peak and sell out of it. Uh, their dividend is uh, is strong right now. It's 8.06%. Now that is an adjustable rate dividend. They do not uh, try to increase this dividend all the time. So it will fluctuate with how their performance is doing. So if you are simply buying it for an 8% dividend, you're wrong. It's uh, going to get cut at some point and uh, you know, it might be higher in, in a year, might be lower in a year. I don't know that answer, but I'm saying that if you're buying it strictly for the dividend, that 8%, it is going to fluctuate. And uh, you know, if you're trying to re retire and have this income off of these stocks, that might not be the one to do it with. So there's a little bit of speculation here with my thoughts on what the you know building cycle looks like, steel, iron, copper, lithium. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of that makes me think that this one is undervalued. Uh, so um, iron ore makes up about 70% of their business. Copper is about 11 and a half. Aluminum's 10. Diamonds and minerals about nine and uh, a quarter. And uh, there is some more in that exploration business that they've uh, that they still do. So uh, one that uh, I think is in a in a good spot right now to go ahead and kind of take advantage of. And um, I know Trefis says there's about 22 percent of upside on this stock price, uh, but I believe that it's going to be a little bit higher. Now they're trying to have me authorize my account, so I'm not going to even look at that. Let me pull up tip ranks and see what uh, I can't get from. From that one as to what the upside is here but uh as far as a pe it is uh it is a lower uh pe company sitting at an eight times multiple earnings per share of 792 and uh one that i i do believe is in a spot where we can target this one uh it's probably trading in the middle of the range here as to where it uh it historically trades and uh one that i feel pretty comfortable with buying it at least for the short short term. So, uh, yeah, tip rank says about fifty two point four percent of upside. Uh, that's what I saw when I was looking at this one. I know that they just caught a couple upgrades. I believe one of them was Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, um, Morgan Stanley upgraded, Bernstein upgraded, and Bank of America reiterated that it is a buy. So I'm thinking that this one is in a good spot. It doesn't look like a bunch of people have caught on to this one. Um, so I'm thinking this could be a new stock to add to the portfolio, at least for the short term. Uh, maybe if it gets up to that $95 mark, $96 mark, like what this uh, this price target is, maybe we start cutting these. Uh, I'm definitely thinking on some of these stocks that are more uh, volatile towards the cycle. Maybe we got to take those profits when we get there. Now, uh, we haven't done that yet in this account. Uh, I haven't really traded around in this account. Uh, I'm leaning to the mindset of doing that to try to protect what we have made and uh, reinvest that money in other stocks that I don't believe are uh, valued to their fair price at this point in time. So uh, that is number one. Let's uh, let's get back over to the list for number two. Now, number two was actually on the list for week 24 from last year. Uh, we did not go ahead and buy it then. 
And uh, there's some things with this one that I don't know that is going to please everyone. And that name is Disney. Uh, they have had some problems. They have been trading down. We've got uh, Iger, the CEO. I think he is leaving or going to possibly be leaving soon. And uh, yeah, there's uh, other lawsuits going on. There's there's other things with this business. Streaming has been a, a bit of a black eye on the company. But uh, I think that it is a strong company nonetheless. I think that the actual movie business is strong. The parks business is very strong. I believe they had a 20% gain year over year on the park side of the business. Um, and it is trading closer to some of their their yearly lows. The low was set back in December on the 28th at 84. We are curr uh, currently sitting at $90.68. The high was back last August at 126. And uh, a lot of the price estimates from uh, analysts are in that 120 range. We've got Trefis saying it's about... Uh, 36% undervalued at uh, 120. And then when we go over to the uh, the Reuters report here, they are saying it's a buy. They have a price target from 27 analysts at being 35% higher uh, for uh, average price target of 120 as well. So kind of unanimous there. They are looking at annual revenue growth of 7% for 23 and 13% growth by the end of 2024. So one that is growing uh, in money, I believe that this dividend should be reinstated by the end of the year or first part of 2024. So you got that. I, I think that when that comes back, it will uh, draw some attention to Disney. Uh, we are looking at discounts across the board on that five-year historical average. So a 46% discount on price to sales. We're trading at a one9 and reminder, the S&P 500, that averages at a 2.3 times price to sales. Uh, but Disney's used to seeing uh, a 3.4 times price to sales valuation on their stock price. Uh, PE trading at a 6% discount of uh, or trailing PE at 39.4. And then the forward, the forward guide, we're sitting at uh, a 19.7 uh, forward PE, which is a 49% discount off their five-year average of a 38 so I think we're getting it at a discount. Uh, I think it's getting discounted for some of the reasons uh, with the CEO, with some of the lawsuits, some of the problems with streaming. They did lose. Uh, they pulled some content. They are kind of uh, trimming down some of their animator division. Uh, they're trying to cut some costs there. And uh, there are some some turmoil things right there right now for Disney. But uh, long, long term, I, I think we're OK. Right. I, I think that it's going to be a solid company. Uh, hopefully this company and all the other companies can kind of try to stay out of some of the political stuff, try to stay out of all the things that's getting everyone caught up in, in some problems right now. And they're seeing stock prices tumble 20, 30, 40% just off the fact that they had to, uh, you know, go political and, and, and get involved in some stuff that I don't know that they necessarily had to do, but, uh, it's hurting investors. It's hurting the business. And, uh, overall, I just don't really like seeing that, uh, kind of connotation being tied to some of these different names that are really great companies. So that's number two. Uh, we were looking at it last year and I, I think we are, you know, at a good spot to be looking at it again this year. So uh, going forward, we were also looking at this one for week 24 last year. And I just watched the air movie on uh, Amazon prime uh, that Michael Jordan story. And that name is Nike. 
Uh, so when I watched this movie, it was it was definitely eye opening as to the story that uh, Nike was number three at that time behind Converse, behind Adidas. And now I can't say that the same uh, thing applies. Right. I think Nike is definitely the leader in that uh, in that group. And um, it, it's one that is uh, kind of in the middle of the pack where it's been trading over the last year. But they got the inventory right. We got uh, a lot of that sell down off of all the inventory glut they had from 22. They're kind of streamlining. They're getting a lot of things in order. And, uh, you know, we've got a PE sitting at uh, at 31. We've got about a 1.3% dividend. Um, it's a strong company, though. I, I see uh, Trefis also has this one at 120. I believe they had the same price target on Disney. So are they just uh, repeating the same numbers? Let's, uh, let's see what Reuters has here. They've got it as a buy. Uh, five-year return of about 42%. Uh, they have got... Uh, about 30% of price target upside for an average of 135 on Nike. So I do believe that we can buy this one after, uh, you know, some of the different things with inventory concerns, with some of the uh, other political things that they've gotten into. Uh, I believe that this one has some room to go higher. Uh, it's got uh, eight strong buys, 16 buy ratings, 10 holds, three sells, and one strong sell. But uh, I'm leading more towards that buy camp. I'm going to go with the masses here and say that this is a, a solid company to get in uh, and really, you know, kind of ride this one higher going forward. Uh, so annual revenue looking like it's going to be going up about 9.1% in 23, 17% in 2024. Uh, dividend payout is 38%. Uh, they are growing this dividend. I know it's lower at 1.3% starting yield, but they did up that dividend 11.2%. Uh, over the past year. Uh, so definitely nice to see a company that is raising the dividends. They're trying to pay us more for being involved with this company. And uh, yeah, it's also trading at a discount. Five-year average, 23% discount on price to sales, 36% discount on trailing PE, 19% discount on forward PE. So you're we're getting a, a great stock uh, that's Paying us more in the way of dividends. They're trying to pay us more over the course of time uh, at a discount versus their five-year averages. And uh, I think with more people getting back to work, having more of those non-farm uh, payroll jobs being added, I think we're going to start seeing people spend a little bit more on discretionary as rates come down and uh, job growth goes up. So that's my two cents. I think that's kind of where I'm at with this one. It's uh, like I said, trading below some of these historical averages, and that's pretty hard to find right now. There are companies that are starting to creep above where they have been trading in the past five years. Uh, so I'm really trying to pick four names that work here. Um, now, the next one, uh, I really didn't do too much digging on. I just uh, kind of added this one for the fact that it's getting added to the S&P 500. And uh, that name is Palo Alto, P-A-N-W, right? So this one did uh, have a nice run up on Friday, up about $12.15, 5.5% to close the day at 229. Actually, did it, cl it closed at 217. So maybe after hours it got added and then went up. But uh, yeah, so we had an, a nice run up on uh, Friday evening. And uh, I think a lot of that's probably to do with, uh, yeah, definitely to do with the S&P 500 induction for Palo Alto, replacing uh, Dish Network. And uh, let's take a look here. Market Edge, this one says it's a long. I agree with that. Reuters says it's a buy. We've got uh, price target upside of about 7% right now. 
But um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that not all these uh, analysts have been updating their price target now that Palo Alto is going to be brought into the S&P 500. We normally see a run up on these stocks as they get brought into the, the larger indices on the fact that more people have to buy them simply if they're buying uh, VOO. Uh, you're going to be buying Palo Alto. So that's just how it's going to go. You got more uh, more buy side orders coming in just from the fact that they are uh, brought into the S&P 500. So uh, we've got 13 strong buys, 25 buys, six holds, no sells of either type. We've got uh, annual revenue up 25% for 2023 and 52% by the end of 2024. So this is definitely a growth company. It's in a lot of those different areas that are in, in favor right now in the uh, the fashion show that is the uh, the stock market up there on Wall Street. We've got uh, Forward PE is a 10% discount uh, over the five-year average. The price to sales is high. It's sitting at uh, a 10 times uh, multiple versus the S&P that's at 2.3, remind you. Uh, and then their five-year average is an 8.7. So that is a 16% premium to their five-year average, but uh, definitely a stock that uh, I think is going to move higher with uh, that induction into the S&P. And uh, like I said, they're in the right spot and the right time. Uh, and they're going to be doing a lot of enterprise. Uh, what do they got? Uh, I'm trying to read through the the information here. They secure all users, applications, data networks, clouds, and devices with visibility and context continuously across all locations. So definitely uh, cybersecurity products covering a range of use cases, enabling its end customers sec uh, to secure their networks, remote and hybrid workforces, branch locations, and public and private clouds, and to advance their security operation centers. So uh, definitely in that, uh, that web security and like I've said before, I definitely think that uh, all these uh, these web security companies are, are basically uh, you know necessity anymore. I don't really think it's uh, an, an option whether or not we uh, are securing all that data and all our end users. So even if uh, things slow down out there, we still got to keep all that information safe. So I still think that uh, the cybersecurity companies should do well through pretty much any type of cycle out there as a uh, this uh, is pretty much a necessity type service that they are offering. Uh, so that's number four, Palo Alto Networks, P-A-N-W. Uh, and then number five, uh, I was looking at Ford last week. This week, I'm going to be looking at GM, General Motors. Uh, so again, with uh, Mary Barra, the CEO, saying that they see uh, massive opportunities in EVs and autonomous over the next 10 years. Um, you know, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree with that statement. I hope that they can capitalize on it. And uh, this one is going to be a value play in my mind. We've got a PE of only five times. We've got uh, a low starting dividend, much lower than Ford's that they were four point something percent. Uh, their starting dividend at GM is 1.09%. Trefis has got price targets of 49.5% higher at uh, $49.37. And then when I go over to the Reuters report, let's see what they are reporting. Uh, they are reporting buy as uh, targets as well. Five-year return is in the negatives on GM. So that's uh, a little worrisome sometimes for me. I know last year we were down about 13.7%. So we definitely had a rough 22 for a lot of different companies. Uh, now, when we're going forward, what do we got? We've got uh, 23 analysts saying 
Uh, 43% of upside here for an average price target of 4720. Uh, we've got uh, annual revenue growth for 23, 5.6% and 8% by the end of 24. We've got, um, we do have a dividend cut over the past year. The dividend payout ratio is 5.6%, which is remarkably low. Dividend coverage of 47.9 times. Uh, and then the current dividend yield of 1.1%. Uh, we are trading at a discount. Price to sales is only 8.3. So that is a 33% a discount from their five-year average of a 0.4. Trailing PE, 5.1, 60% discount to their five-year average. And their forward PE is a 5, which is a 36% discount to their five-year average. So those numbers are all low. Um uh, we, we are definitely getting this one at a discount. I'm not too sure what they did with that dividend, but it does look like it was cut over the last year, uh, probably to raise some capital and uh, try to really mitigate some of the losses that were going on. Uh, as a lot of people were cutting any kind of cost that they could, uh, it looks like GM was doing the same. So uh, that's the five stocks I got for you guys this week. We've got Rio Tinto. We've got uh, Disney, Nike, Palo Alto Networks, and GM. I think it's a good mix. Uh, we've got uh, a minor, we've got uh, entertainment, we've got uh, consumer discretionary and Nike, cybersecurity, and then we've got uh, automotive names. So we're pretty uh, pretty spread out right there this week. And uh, I will be buying Visa for week 23 on Monday, like I said, at lunchtime. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for stopping by. Please make sure to subscribe and share so that you do not miss a future episode here from me. And I will catch you guys in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.